You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL, and it's the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. Happy Wednesday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day. It's Herd Mentality, and that's the weekly episode where you take control of the discussion by sending in questions, comments, takes, whatever you have regarding the Buffalo Bills, and I respond to it here on the podcast. We received a ton of submissions this week, and that that seems to be the case anytime the Bills lose a game. There's always a lot of questions that come with a loss, and so I've done my best here to get to the stuff that I felt was the most common questions and kind of lump some things together, and I'm going to try to get to as much of the outstanding questions as I possibly can here on the podcast. So let's get started. First one comes from Justin, who says, Joe, there's going to be huge overreactions to this game. But once again, the Bills beat themselves. It's a recurring theme. Bad red zone offense all year. Costly penalties. Drop touchdowns. I have come to peace that this team is not a Super Bowl caliber team. Allen cannot be our best running back, and let's face it, Motor is not great. Moss looks for tacklers. Breida can't hold on to the football. This team needs to be able to run the football, and they can't. I don't want to run the ball more. I just want to be able to actually do it. Also, why again, no jet sweeps? How easy is it for opposing defenses to not have to worry about the edge? What are your thoughts on fixing this? Also, can you please do a knock stat line for the last nine games of 2020 to present game? Here comes the Knox sucks campaign. He's had one bad game and everyone hates him again. All right, so let's talk about the rushing attack and how to fix it. I think the Bills have to find better running backs and better run blocking. I think that's what it comes down to. And it shouldn't be that hard to do that. Being able to find good running backs has not been a challenging thing for most teams in the NFL. And we're talking about maybe an upgrade at left guard. I don't think it's a very difficult course forward to change what the Bills have in their arsenal in terms of personnel to be able to run the ball more effectively. And as I continue to watch this football team, I believe the biggest issue is the running backs. And so you kind of have to rework that room in my mind. And it really shouldn't be that hard to do. As for Dawson Knox, yeah, it feels like everybody just couldn't wait to uh, jump off the bandwagon there. I mean, the guy's having a great season. He finished the season strong last year. He breaks his hand, and um, you know he's having some issues making catches with the consistency we saw earlier this year. And uh, you go back to the Colts game as well, and um, of course against the Patriots where there were some opportunities to make some plays, and he wasn't able to finish, but he deserves – some blame for the loss against the Patriots, but everybody sure loved watching him 
gobble down those turkey legs on Thanksgiving against the Saints. He sure loved him against Kansas City. He had a bad game. There's no doubt about it. The guy's working back from a fractured hand. And um, I'm still optimistic about what he can be at tight end. And you look at the last 20, 25 games from Dawson Knox, and his production has been really outstanding. The next one comes from Corey, who says, does it make more sense to invest in a running back through the draft or to bring in a veteran via free agency or trade? After watching a below-average run game for the past couple seasons, it's evident a move needs to happen sooner than later in that area. I know it's not as simple as get a better back and all the problems are solved. The offensive line also factors into the success of the backfield greatly. I'd say it's obvious that both areas would need to be addressed in the offseason. I look at guys like Tony Pollard, Alex Madison, and Jamal Williams, all RB2s who could realistically be an RB1 for the Bills. At the same time, you have guys like Elijah Mitchell, Javante Williams, and Michael Carter all finding success for their teams via the draft. Maybe the Bills have just been unlucky as far as that goes. It's a good question, Corey. And it is disappointing to me that the Bills have failed to assemble a good running back situation despite some investments, right? There's been some veterans brought in over the years in TJ Yeldon and Frank Gore and Matt Breida. They've used a couple of third-round picks on Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, and they haven't been able to find a good combination back there, and assembling a running back tandem really shouldn't be that difficult. And so I don't think it's from a lack of investment that the Bills don't have an ideal running back situation. They've certainly tried. They just have not found the right mix of players or really any meaningful player. So if I were the Bills, I would do both. I would sign a veteran and I would invest a draft pick on a running back somewhere day two, early day three, something like that, and find a running back that's a veteran that is looking for an opportunity and bring those guys in and have a really serious competition to find the right top two backs for this offense moving forward. So again, when it comes to the attempt to assemble a good rushing attack, the effort's been there, not just from the running back perspective, but on the offensive line where Cody Ford not being who they drafted him to be has impacted where this team is and where they think it should be in terms of being able to run the football. I mean, imagine if you hit on Cody Ford and either Singletary or Moss are worthy top two options. This run game looks different, but those miscalculations and whiffed attempts at solidifying the offensive line and running back situation leads to a very uneven Buffalo Bills rushing attack. The next one comes from Alex. Alex says, imagine that Dable leaves the Bills this offseason, whether it's to be a head coach or because he is fired. Would you feel worried to lose the consistency he brings, excited to get a fresh start for the offense, or totally ambivalent? I ask this question because I know you were worried about the possibility of losing Dable after last season, but considering the offense's regression this year, I find it difficult to care if he stays or goes, and I think I'm leaning towards hoping he goes elsewhere 
to see if we can do better? It's a fair question, and one of the things that I've really hammered home in a lot of our game reaction pods, particularly the losses this year, is I've went through very intentionally the bad offensive sequences that contributed to those losses. And so much of it is self-inflicted wounds, just really bad, sloppy sequences that literally take points off the board. And when you're looking to assess blame, I think that a lot of it belongs to Brian Dable. A lot of it belongs to Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, the execution of the players, and the overall inconsistency of the offense has been very, very frustrating. Now, Brian Dable's the offensive coordinator. I think the continuity piece of it matters a lot, and that is an asset to this football team. But I think I feel more in the totally ambivalent box than excited or worried, to be honest with you. I don't get overly excited about the mystery box. I like what Brian Dable has been able to accomplish with this offense. When you look at the entire body of work and the success of the passing game and how the offense has overall been very productive despite a really underwhelming running back and interior offensive line situation. And so I definitely factor that into my overall perspective on this. And so I think that's why ambivalent is the right place to define where I'm at with Brian Dable and uh, this offense. The next one today comes from Sam, who says, leading into last night's game, the narrative seemed to be whoever could take care of business on the ground and run the ball most effectively would likely win the game. Now, I was impressed with Josh Allen's ability to throw the ball for the most part in the elements, even with some missed opportunities. What I cannot understand is a complete lack of game plan to use Josh Allen as a weapon on the ground. I would argue Josh is our best rushing option with our running backs being woefully disappointing. They seem to lack both speed and power combined with below average vision. I understand that there were some read options mixed into the game plan, but of course New England is going to do everything in their power to make sure that Josh hands the ball off to the less dynamic, less athletic back, and that's exactly what happened. I have never been a Dable fan dating back to his time in Alabama, but thought maybe he had proved me wrong and turned a corner last season. We obviously have the benefit of hindsight, but what are your thoughts on the offensive game plan last night, and what would you have liked to see done differently? And of course, thank you for all your hard work on the podcast. My pleasure, Sam. So as far as the game plan last night and what I would have done differently, I do agree that I would have involved Josh Allen a lot more on designed runs. In fact, he only had one rushing attempt last night on a designed run. That's that's not good. Those are effective plays for the Bills. It was the type of game to incorporate that, and it didn't happen. Number two is I would have had more play-action passing. Only nine of Josh Allen's 37 dropbacks were play-action. That's only 24%. That's below his season average. This was the type of game where I would be well over 30 and pushing 40, 50% play-action, to be completely honest with you. And I think that was a missed opportunity. And then more of the throws would have been designed to go to the middle of the field. 14 of Josh Allen's 30 attempts 
last night were to the middle of the field and in windy conditions, taking advantage of the shortest distance to throw the football into the wind is best. I mean, how many times did we see the ball move a bit on some of the throws outside the hashes? I mean, it was pretty frequent where the ball placement was affected by some wind and the Bills had some incompletions as a result. I would have definitely made it a bigger emphasis to attack the middle of the field and work the football into those types of spots where it's the shortest distance to throw the football and you're not necessarily throwing it it as much at an angle where the wind can really move the ball even more because those distances are greater. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away and on location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star L.A. hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. Bet Online has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to their new updated website and sign up today and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and Bet Online is where the game starts. The next one today comes from Kyle, who says, I'm nervous listening to the postgame comments from McDermott, the safeties, etc., after the game. For the first time I can remember under McDermott, this team is clearly rattled by a non season ending loss. This seems like the first real test of in-season adversity for a McDermott team with expectations, and they're not handling it well in the public eye. Paired with the season being full of games where they've beaten themselves, it feels like this team may be coming unraveled. Does this concern you as well? You know, Kyle, I I thought through this one quite a bit, and I think last night as I was consuming all of that, I would have agreed a bit more with what you're saying, but... As I thought more about it, I wouldn't say that the team was rattled. I, I don't I don't feel that way. And one thing that I've gained an appreciation for in listening to these players and coaches talk all season long is that they have a lot of confidence and, and they really do believe in themselves. And I thought last night more than anything, the questioning was very provoking. And uh, it felt like they were phrased in such a way that tried to give the coaches and players opportunities to express frustration. And um, I think they were baited into a lot of that. And so maybe you could say that there was a bit of a loss of composure at times, but I wouldn't call them rattled. I think this is a situation where this team is very confident and the questioning is really challenging that. 
and there is a level of frustration, but I'm not sure unravel is the right word that, that to, to really describe what could be happening here. Um, I, I really do feel like they, they are not wavering in their confidence at all. And there's certainly frustration. There should be frustration. Um, that shouldn't surprise us. We should want to see that, but to bait them like some of those questions were, I think it was kind of the perfect storm of the continuation of inconsistent results, a very meaningful loss at home in prime time. But I do think that they could have been a little bit more buttoned up in the way that they answered those questions. And it kind of goes back to one of those buzz phrases when it comes to dealing with the media from a coach's and player's perspective, where I've heard this a lot, where it's when you lose, say very little, and when you win, say even less. And I think that the Bills were trying to be candid and honest about their answers. And because of that, and because of the way the team has performed and how there's a congruency issue between the messaging and the results, it's kind of the perfect storm for a lot of frustrations to be revealed through the way they answered some of those questions. But I don't think this team lacks confidence at all. Chuck says, I was reading comments after the game and a lot of people are blaming the defense and blaming the coaching for the loss. I disagree 100%. The defense held New England to well below their season averages in yards per game and points scored. They were 2 of 12 on third down and did not have any real sustained drives. They held New England to three second-half points. The coaching staff had the team in position to score four times, five if you include the digs drop, and came away with only 10 points. If the offense executed the game plan more effectively and actually scored in the red zone, we forced New England to have to pass and we all know they didn't want that to happen. Why can we not just call it what it is and say the offense didn't show up? Also, I saw how you took a shot on Twitter about eating humble pie because of Knox's poor performance. It's funny how the trolls come out so conveniently. Where were they last week when he was scoring two touchdowns and gobbling up that turkey? Good point there, Chuck. Um, yeah, I, I think what you're saying here very much lines up with the overarching themes from our recap podcast yesterday where the Bills were in really good scenarios. And honestly, the way that that game went, it lended itself more to a game where the Bills win decisively than a tight Patriots win. Now, you can't do that. It's not fair. The Bills didn't execute. They didn't deserve to win the game. But they had their chances. And that's why I think there's been so much frustration, particularly from Coach McDermott, that is like, I hear you. You like the Bills gave up some yards in the ground, and you know there were some miscues on offense. But it's not like this team wasn't in position to win the game. I can understand where he's coming from. We limited that team to three second and a half points, three and a half yards per carry. If you take out the long touchdown run, which did happen and it matters and I'm not trying to dismiss that but he had his team in a good spot and so while everybody wants to come out with some crazy phrases about how it was this mastermind of a game plan by New England and you've heard people say that it was 
the greatest game plan in the history of football. I mean, it's just unbelievable comments. Sean McDermott's like, whoa, wait, what are you, what are you talking about? I had my team in great positions to win the game. Now they didn't, and he deserves blame for that, and it's disappointing. But if you can just kind of laser in on what actually happened in the scenarios that the team was in, I can understand why um, you saw some of that frustration. And I do think that it comes back to the offense not being able to capitalize on very advantageous scenarios that were given to them despite some challenging elements to execute offense in. Tom says, I've been listening to your podcast religiously throughout the season, and I think I've lost count of how many times you've said that the offense has left plenty of meat on the bone to the point where wasted potential seems to be coming the mantra of this 2021 season. My question is this, at what point do you start seriously holding the coaching staff accountable for this pattern? I know at the end of the day, the players need to execute and make plays in the field, but This seems like a systemic issue, and I believe our offensive playmakers are plenty talented enough to get the job done. Thank you for reading, and go Bills. Yeah, so I don't think it's a situation where it's any one thing where you can point the finger at. It's not just coaching or just offensive line play or just running backs or just wide receivers or just quarterback. It's not any one thing. There's a lot of blame to be distributed. In different games, it was different problems. There's times that I thought it was more coaching. There's times that I thought it was Josh Allen. There's times that I thought it was the offensive line. And so because of that, it makes it difficult to really find the leading cause of the inconsistency and why there has been so much meat left on the bone. But to me, the overarching issue is that the Bills don't have talented enough running backs and they need more consistency from the offensive line. And so I think we all want the Bills to be able to run the football more effectively. But if you don't have worthwhile ball carriers and you don't have consistency from your offensive line, that's going to lead to inconsistent offense. And so I think it's fair to bring into question a number of different things, but I'm probably starting with the interior offensive line and lack of meaningful talent at running back. Ryan says, given the current makeup of the Bills roster, especially the offensive makeup leaning more towards the air attack with a lack of line of scrimmage control and running game, do you think it has an advantage to possibly be playing away from home in the playoffs? Granted, home field advantage, especially with our fans, is huge, but with the unpredictable nature of the weather possibly handicapping our best offensive attributes, and intensifying our deficits, I seem to be toying with the idea that the current team construction is not conducive to the Buffalo winter advantage we once thought. Yeah, Ryan, I think you have a good point here, and to me it's disappointing that the team has come up short in assembling a roster that is engineered to be able to handle the own elements of your region, and make Western New York a tough place to come play a football game. I'm disappointed in that. And so because of that, I can see where where you're going in that you could probably take away the wind factor by not having to play home games in January in Buffalo. The Bills are 3-3 and at home this year. They're 4-2 and on the road. They're proven capable of going on the road and winning football games. 
And so for the 2021 Bills to have their best chance to win in the playoffs, I think there's a reasonable case to be made that having those games not in Western New York could be beneficial. Again, that's disappointing to me that we feel that way. The Buffalo Bills have been playing football in Buffalo since 1960. The weather is the weather. It's always going to be an impact in the NFL. And you need to build a team that is designed to be able to handle the elements of your region and make sure that you have a home field advantage in every meaningful way that home field advantage should be an actual advantage. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar, Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. And they have so many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie? There's so many great options and you really can't go wrong. Are you friends with Santa? Well, tell Santa to throw a few Built Bars in those stockings. With so many flavors, they'd make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. I've got a deal for you. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Do you appreciate a well-executed defensive strategy? Of course you do. You're a Bills fan. Just as important as your defensive line is your defensive strategy against thick guacamole. Don't settle for weak chips that can't hold the line. Grab Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips, the 6'4", 260-pound linebacker of chips. And folks, I've been telling you about these chips, and they hold up to the test. They don't break in guac. They don't break in the buffalo chicken dip or the artichoke dip, and they taste delicious. They're crunchy. They're flavored with sea salt, and the texture is exactly what you're looking for in a top-of-the-line tortilla chip. And every chip is trained to successfully deliver the perfect crunchy guac-filled bite, and that's because they're actually cut and fried from tortillas and grown from organic flint corn in the Buffalo, Rochester area. So pick up a bag at your local Wegmans or Whole Foods Market today and say no to weak and crappy tortilla chips forever. The next one today comes from Andy who says, I know you're going to get a bunch of doom and gloom questions after what we just saw. So what silver linings are there for us the rest of the season? And what should we remain optimistic about for 2021 and going forward? Additionally, as a realist, what needs to change in order to get where we talked about going at the beginning of the season? I think the silver lining is that this is an extremely capable football team. I mean, they've literally stepped on the field 12 times this year, and seven of those times, they were absolutely dominant. And in four of the five losses, they lost very, very tight games. The only game that they weren't in it was the Colts game. And so despite a team that we are disappointed in from a consistency issue and you wish that they could run the football better on offense and that they had more meaningful contributions from running backs and that they're a little bit more stiff 
in terms of run defense and being stout at the point of the attack on defense, they are an extremely capable football team that has blown out several teams and has four very, very tight losses where it very easily could have went a different way. And it goes back to self-inflicted wounds. There's only been one game this year where the Bills were just not going to win. That's the Colts game. But in the other four losses, they beat themselves. It really had less to do with the other team and just mistakes by the Bills, and it's all correctable stuff. So despite clear weaknesses of the team, it really hasn't been that detrimental. It's a capable football team with clear needs. And to me, that's the silver lining. And that's why it's like, hey, just get to the tournament because the entire conference is inconsistent. Every team in the AFC has fatal flaws, but someone's going to win it. Why can't it be the Bills? So to me, that's the silver lining. And in terms of what needs to change to get it back to where we talked about at the beginning of the season, get better on the interior offensive line, get better at running back, get better at interior defensive line, and shore up your cornerback situation. It's not like a super difficult list of things to get better at. It's a very clear path forward to me. Next one comes from Kyle who says, I was just as disappointed with the loss last night as the rest of Bill's Mafia. The expectations coming into the season were so high that anything less than an AFC championship would have been thought of as an underachievement. Expectations were continuously tempered throughout the season with each loss, but last night made even the division title seem out of reach. I see fans and media questioning McDermott's coaching and Bean's roster building, but my question is this being overstated. The Patriots have always been known to zig when everyone else is zagging, and it seems to me that this is more of the same. McDermott and Bean built a defense to stay in nickel and stop the pass since the NFL has been a passing league for some time now. They selected smaller linemen and linebackers that can cover instead of come downhill and thump against the run. The team's answer to run-heavy teams has been through putting up 30-plus points on offense and daring them to try and keep up. Last night seemed like the perfect storm of power running team going against a speed-built defense coupled with bad weather hindering our passing offense. I'm not trying to excuse the team for that game or this season, but to say Belichick embarrassed McDermott or to question the coaching seems overstated. Yeah, I think there's fair talking points on both sides of this. I think you make good points about how the makeup of the team has a script, right? It has a formula that they can cling to. And I think that you can be critical of some of the miscalculations by Brandon Bean in assembling this offensive line and running back situation. And you can send some blame at Sean McDermott for not having other scripts to cling to and other formulas to cling to to win football games. Now, none of that rises to the level of questioning that either guy is the right person for the job. I mean, we have dreamed of having 
this caliber of general manager and head coach. I think these guys are the right guys for sure. Like not even a, 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 a hint of doubt comes into my mind. But when things don't go the way they should, yeah, I mean, bring it into question. And that's okay. It's it's good to have healthy conversations about why this team is inconsistent. But it's also very capable. And the talent is very good. There's a reason the team had the season they did last year. There's a reason that the team had so many dominant outings so far this year. There's a reason that there was expectations on this team. And so how they've handled those expectations has been disappointing, but none of that even comes close to rising to the level of questioning whether either guy is the right person for the job. The next one today comes from Jason who says, what should our overall expectations be for the rest of the season? It seems like the Bills are so close in many losses, and one or two things, if they were just to go the Bills' way, they could have two or three more wins. Are the Bills closer to being a playoff or Super Bowl contender, or are they closer to being on the outside looking in? So I I like this question, number one, because I, I think it's always a good idea to bring in expectations, because expectations minus reality equals disappointment. And so this team has clearly shown us that they're inconsistent. That's very obvious by what we've seen since mid-October. They're not a consistent football team. And so it's probably appropriate for you to have the expectations of this being an inconsistent football team. They're not just always going to go out there and handle their business like they should. And they're a very capable team that, can win, but they're not consistent, right? They, they've told you that. And so have your expectations in the right place because they are inconsistent. Now there's five games left. I think the Bills should go three and two or four and one, but again, they're inconsistent. So I would expect inconsistency because that's what this team has told us they are. Also, what I want to bring up here in response to what Jason asked is it's a good reminder about how thin the margins are in the NFL for winning and losing. And when you think about that and you think about how much of the Bills' shortcomings this year were self-inflicted and correctable, to me, that signals to not overly panic. And that, like, Sweeping changes aren't necessary here. Get better in a few spots. This team is still very, very close. And they're still very, very capable. The next one today comes from Tom who says, one of my takeaways from this game and the lead up is this. Is the fan base soft and entitled like we perceive the Bills to be? All the angst, whining, and fear about the past, present, and future makes me wonder. Are we front runners too? Can we tough out the hard times and respond positively like we want the team to? I know it doesn't matter for the result on the field, but it just struck me recently. I get the frustration and immediate disappointment. Maybe since I've only been a fan from 2005, it's not as bad for me. Maybe at 57, I'm too tired to get worked up. To be fair, 
This determination to be patient and positive is a recent development due in part to Bruce Nolan's wisdom. I'm not suggesting this overreaction is something I hear from you. I appreciate your honest and fair takes. Thanks again for the great content. All the best and happy holidays to you and your family. Thank you, Tom, and happy holidays to you and yours as well. I appreciate a lot of what Tom brought up in his email. But this is what makes Bill's Mafia great. It is a passionate fan base that loves their football team. And we want it so bad. And the Bills are such a big part of the Western New York community and Bills Mafia worldwide. I mean, it is a wonderful fan base that loves their football team. And the passion and desire and care leads to a very wide range of emotions and perspectives. And that can make it difficult sometimes, especially in my shoes where I know what's demanded of this fan base and I know how much everyone loves this team, but I wouldn't change the passion for anything. And I think because of that passion, you get a wide range of responses to what we see from the team. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Everyone is going to fan differently. Everybody has different perspectives on the team. Do whatever makes you happy. Whatever makes being a Bills fan the most fulfilling that it could possibly be, I encourage you to do that. I have my own way of processing things and compartmentalizing my emotions for the team, but that's what works for me. You need to find what works for you, and the only thing that I would say is that make sure it's a net positive to you and your family. Being a football fan and a fan of a team should be a net positive. So take everything that's bad about being a fan and leave it and embrace and cling to the best parts because football is fun. And when you keep it in its rightful place, it can be a wonderful part of your life, a wonderful part of the dynamics of your family and your community and overall a net positive. So I would encourage everyone to find the right demeanor and perspective to make sure that that is true for you. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Tomorrow, we start talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It'll be the comprehensive primer. I'm going to break down the Bucs from every angle, talk about the challenges that they present and what I think the Bills need to do to go to Florida and win a football game on the road and um, avoid a consecutive loss. Big one here this weekend, and so I look forward to getting you ready for it starting tomorrow. So don't miss it. Make sure that you are subscribed. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.